This is Modern Dadhood, an ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, and general insanity of being a dad in this moment. This moment. My name's Adam Flaherty. I'm a dad to two daughters who are, I gotta say, almost eight and almost five, because we're talking about weeks at this point. I mean, if they hear this, they're gonna say, Dad, come on, I'm almost, you know, get it right. And you are the infamous... I am the famous and infamous Mark Andrew. Check it. Mark Andrew. (laughs) Thank you for that. Uh (laughs) Anyway, so my name is Mark. Check it. And I am a dad to twin boy, almost four year olds. I'll say almost. It's two months away for us still. How was your Thanksgiving? Did you eat food? Boy, did we. Did the boys eat food? Sort of. They ate a lot of cranberry in <laughs> in various forms. They my my sister, we went over to my brother's place and they 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 went all out. There was all sorts of food and, and my sister in law was making like a cranberry sauce. So they ate like spoonfuls of just cranberry sauce. And then we also had like dried cranberries that were you're supposed to put on top of this uh, Brussels sprouts dish that my, that that we made, that I made. And, uh, my kids just picked out the dried cranberries. So they were eating like cranberry sauce and dried cranberries. And I'm not, I can't confirm whether they ate anything besides that. Hmm. Yeah. So it was, you know, sort of a Thanksgiving for them, but it was a wonderful, wonderful feeling to be around, uh, family for, for the whole day we played like board games. You know, we did, we played like some scattergories, played some Yahtzee. We listened to music. We watched some dumb TV. It was, it was wonderful. It was, it was a very nice classic family, you know, get together. And and we missed that big time last year. I'm glad to hear that you had a, a traditional check it family shindig yeah it was great it was great with all the all the rabble rousing that the check have become known for for real for real i mean you should have seen the check family newsletter this this month it's crazy what about you guys what did you do we went to my brother's house and you know the siblings and my nieces and nephews you know the cousins kind of got together it wasn't huge but it was uh it was good my kids are so picky though oh. they're so picky my five-year-old, I'm just going to say five-year-old, she is, she wants snacks all day long. Yeah. But you, snacks to her means something that came out of a package. Yeah. You know, so it's, it came out of a wrapper, came out of a bag. It it can't be something healthy. No, it's not, it's not ever anything that sustains a person. And then when it comes to meals, she eats almost nothing and it makes me crazy because I'm usually the one who makes her lunches for school, you know, and I, I put a lot of focus on a well-balanced meal and she comes home and she's eaten like, you know, one, maybe a quarter of the sandwich mm-hmm. and touched almost nothing else. And like, how do you even survive? How does she even make it through the day? Right. And then she comes home and she wants, you know, hungry. garbage. Starving. 
starving, but only for pirates booty. Wow. I can't. I, I mean, In pi- fairness. <laughs> pirates booty is fucking awesome. <laughs> and uh, I've, been, I've been known to just sit down and eat, a, eat an entire bag of that. No, but I, I, I feel you there. Yeah, it's it's weird. I, we're we're kind of getting a little bit to a phase, too, where, like, they'll sit, we'll, we'll sit the kids down for a meal and they'll eat some of it. And then they'll be like, I'm done. Like definitively, like I'm finished. They'll take their plates. They'll throw food out like the scraps, whatever's left. Sometimes we, we, (laughs) we save that. So it's not just completely wasteful, but like they'll take their plates, throw it out, put their stuff in the sink and then walk off. And then two minutes later, can I have a snack? Like you you just threw food in the garbage. Like I'm not giving you a snack right now. It's a constant, like it's a constant thing in this house. Yeah, it, it cuts me deep to mm. throw away like a full plate of food. It's like not only did I I think we've talked about this before, not only did I pay money for the food, mm-hmm. <laughs> shopped for it, mm-hmm. trying to make good decisions and then invested money in it, but then I I took time and care to prepare it for you. Yeah. And then to watch it just get dumped in the trash, it's like, oh, it's yeah. crazy making yeah it's a little fru- it's a little frustrating did they eat any of the uh the, the thanksgiving meal should i pry yeah yeah yes my five-year-old had a um she she had a small sampling of several different things yeah. my eight-year-old she's actually eating a lot right now i don't know if it's oh, a growth that's... spurt or what but she eats yeah. a lot and she's motivated by whatever she gets to have for dessert and then usually after she has something sweet she wants to go back and have more yeah. dinner oh it's it's crazy that's funny the, the thing that really drives me nuts with this food thing is that like sometimes we'll think certain foods are like a total shoe in you know like of course he'll, he'll definitely eat mashed potatoes yeah because who the hell on this planet doesn't love mashed potatoes and you put it down in front of him. And it's like, you just served him a pile of dog shit Uh and he's turns up his nose. And I'm like, dude, it's mashed potato. He'll do that with like, he'll do that with pizza. He'll do that with like all the, you know, spaghetti and meatballs, like all the like foods that you think I'm, we had grilled cheese tonight and he ate all of it. And I'm very surprised that he (laughs) ate all of a grilled cheese sandwich. Is it like, is it a game? Is it asserting dominance? Is it like, uh, because maybe my five, five year old does the same thing. It'll be like a bowl of like chicken soup. Soup is universally chicken soup is, is good. Nobody disagrees with that. But my five year old daughter who will look at it and say, I don't like this. And sometimes we'll get her to try it and she'll be like, actually, this is good. Yeah. But most of the time, if she looks at something and says, I don't like this, I feel like it's because she doesn't want to have that. Yeah. And so she's saying, I don't like this. And then doubling down when we actually get her to try it, she'll still stick with it and say, I don't like this. It's like, yeah. I think that this is like a, a power thing and a stubbornness thing because you want to have. I don't even know what mac and cheese. I don't know. I think that you're a liar. That's what you should say to her. We started, um, we, we read, uh, Dr. Seuss's green eggs and ham. And we've started saying like, if, if we put food in front of a kid that they've never had before and they go right to, I don't like it. Then we usually talk about, well, remember, remember green eggs and ham when 
the dude was like, I don't want to try that. And then Sam, I am tried really hard to get him to try it. Cause he, he just, he knew he'd love it. You know, and what happens at the end of the story, you know, and then they'll answer like, he liked it. Sometimes, sometimes that will get them to like try a bite of food, but not all the time. Man, the things that we try, it's like, will you eat it here or will you eat it there? It's like, will you eat it anywhere? Anywhere. What's that character's name, by the way? If Sam I Am is Sam I Am, what's the other character's name? Do you know? Isn't the other one Will I Am? Yeah, that's it. You, yeah, okay. That was a little bit true. I thought you wouldn't get it. I'm all over it, man. Hey, listen. Hit me. Remember two episodes ago when you did your top five? Mm. The episode was called Mark's Top Five. Nope, nope. It's not ringing a bell yet. Okay. Two episodes ago. Two episodes ago. Uh-huh. The title was Mark's Top Five. And Mark's you selected five. five clips from the history of modern dadhood. Clips that you particularly enjoyed or you learned something from them. Mark. You set them up a little bit of context. We played the clips. It was, it was like one of those clip shows. Mark who? It was Mark who? Mark Anthony, the, the singer. Thing. Okay. Yep. No, now it's starting to, uh, it's coming back. Yes. Two episodes ago. Correct. I remember now. Okay. I did the same thing for this episode. What? The title of this episode is Adam's Mark's top five. Top five. Oh, Adam's God. top five. Right. Okay. No, that makes sense. Damn no, it. I get it. Nope. It totally makes sense. The way you said it makes sense. <sighs> hey before i start teeing up these clips we should probably play this sound did you have fun going back through the catalog to 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 what's the to call call what's the word i'm looking for to extract to pull to call did you like going back through the catalog and, and, and reliving some of the, 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 the past interviews? I did. And I mean, it just reminded me what an awesome ride this has been and how we've had some just really, I don't know, unexpected, like yeah. crazy opportunities to speak with some incredible people. There's still definitely a lot of interviews that are already in the bank that I look back at and I go, dude, we, we talked to an astronaut like that still blows my mind yeah like like terry o'quinn you're giving away my top five before oh, i even got on sh- <laughs> i went right to i went right to 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 t-o-q and i'm, I'm sorry I'll it's all wait. good man I'll- okay so let me sort of tee up my top five by saying this there were several motivations for me in starting this podcast with you but one of them was having a legitimate excuse or I guess like a foot in the door to invite conversations with people who I admire. And in a lot of ways that sort of parallels my career outside of the podcast. So for folks who don't know, I'm in video production, um, have been for about 15 years. Uh, I'm a video producer and director for commercials, for brand films, for all types of video content. And I've always said that the coolest thing that this line of work um, awards me is access to places I wouldn't otherwise get to see or get to go and to people who I otherwise wouldn't have a reason to talk to or to work with. And I feel like 
without fail, I always grow and learn from those experiences. So one of the motivators behind starting this podcast was to have a legitimate platform that would open doors to conversations with people uh, who I wanted to talk to, um, to learn about what it means to them to be a father and to learn from their experiences, which are likely very different from my own. So I have been very blessed to connect with some really incredible people over the years. And early on in modern dadhood, I leveraged some of those relationships to kind of bring in some of our early guests. And I feel like those conversations really helped you and I lay the groundwork for the format of the show and the the vibe of the show. So the selections that I've made for my top five clips that I'm excited to share in a few minutes, um, they were determined both by like who I was really excited to have on the show, but also who I feel like imparted some real wisdom or or opened my eyes to something fatherhood related that either I didn't know before or just haven't had the opportunity to experience myself. I'm I'm sitting here listening to you thinking like, all right, which what interviews is he talking about here? Who, who what guests is he referring to? And I, I don't know. I feel like I'm a little in the dark here. I, and I truly am in the dark. Uh, I know that you had me ask you some questions. Indeed. For your top five. Would you like to? I'm, re- I'm ready. I've got, I've got a question for you teed up right here. Let me have it. Do you have a favorite interview? So... Even though I was expecting the question, it it is a tough one. And it was tough for me to kind of distill it down because we've had people join us who I never would have necessarily expected. Mm -hmm. So I'm torn between several, but I think ultimately like talking to Terry O'Quinn about raising his boys and, you know, as sort of a starving actor and hitting the jackpot, getting cast in Lost yeah. And then how that really changed everything for his family. Mm-hmm. That was fascinating. Very. But I also really loved when we had Emilio Delgado mm-hmm. on the show, who's Luis from Sesame Street. He just radiated positivity and he was just a joy, you know, listening to him. It was very nostalgic for me, you know, so I was sort of recounting my youth and just learning so much from him watching him on Sesame Street. So I would say Terry O'Quinn and Emilio Delgado, those two have really just stuck with me. Yeah. Good choices. Good choices, man. Yeah. Yeah. Terry O'Quinn was a real trip to talk to. He's a, he's a classy dude. Great guy. Has some fantastic stories and some fantastic uh, insights in, in both like parenthood and acting, which was very cool. He was able to combine those two things for us in the interview. But yeah, talking to a, a um, Luis from Sesame Street was like, you just can't help but feel good and feel positive and, and feel motivated talking to that guy. He just has this way about him exuding this, this, this sort of sense of like, if you do good and you try hard, things will be all right. I feel like he had a, a smile on his face the the entire time we were talking. And so did we, because how can you not? I mean, then that's that's the thing. I mean, you just look at him and you listen to him. I mean, he's just very sage, too, I feel like. I mean, the guy's been around, you know. Good answers, man. So I want to share uh, my first clip 
I'll start off by saying this. We had the good fortune to talk with a retired astronaut named Captain Winston Scott. And prepping for that conversation, I really got thinking about when you've spent years preparing yourself mentally and physically to get on a space shuttle and launch into outer space with, you know, what's a relatively high risk of failure. What does a dad say to his kids before he steps onto the spacecraft and is gone for weeks Mm. or months at a time? And I was a bit surprised by his response. Roll tape. I was assigned to my first space flight in uh, 1996. We flew nine days in orbit aboard the space shuttle Endeavour. Two years later, I spent 16 days in orbit aboard the space shuttle Columbia. I'm so curious to know, like, what kinds of conversations are you having with your family in the hours before liftoff? We didn't really have, there was no opportunity to really sit down and talk to them about the flight itself, at least I did. And I think my, my wife talked with our daughter about it and tried to let her know that what I was about to do is something that is important mm-hmm. to the whole world, but something that I wanted to do, something that dad mm-hmm. chose to do. And we're proud of him. It's a great accomplishment. We should not worry about it. Mm-hmm. Son was excited. You know, he wanted to know if there's some way he could go. Yeah, <laughs> well, you could pack him in a suitcase. <laughs> is there room for one more back there in the back? <laughs> That's right. But where I'm going with this is that one of the things we tried to teach or tried instilling our children as they were growing up is to not be afraid. We didn't want them to grow up with a spirit of fear. We wanted them to grow up with a spirit of adventure and challenge and gravitating toward things that were, were different and exciting and not a sense of fear. So that was a fantastic clip. What else? Uh, what else you got? I mean, I, as much as I love reliving conversations with an astronaut, I know, right? What else have you got in your uh, in your list here? So for my second clip, a few minutes ago, I named Emilio Delgado as one of my favorite guests. <sighs> um, one of the things that impresses me so much about him is that he he was in a unique position at a unique time in history to teach a huge audience of impressionable young people about Latino culture. And I know that for me growing up in like a very non-diverse town, a very non-diverse state, I, as a kid was thrilled to soak in bits of like the Spanish language and Latino culture that I would learn from watching Luis on Sesame Street. So here's a clip where Emilio Delgado talks about just that. I do think that uh, one of the important things about Luis and Maria uh, being uh, on the show, for the first time on American television, you saw a couple of Latinos being actual people on the show, you know, uh, they were just these, these 
people that were a part of the community. They had their own business. They had a family. You know, it was like showing Latinos and Latinas as real human beings, which was a thing that uh, that was sort of absent in American media for many years. People would just come up to us and say, oh, you're the first ones that we've seen that actually look and sound like us, you know? So that aspect of American life was was never shown, really, until Luis and Maria came on the show. And I think that was an important aspect of Sesame Street, showing Latinos in, in, a, in a positive aspect. Here's what I'm thinking, Adam. I'm thinking that right now is a good time to just drop in the second question. Question two. Two of three. We'll get to three later. Thinking back through all that we've learned so far in our interviews, what has been the biggest takeaway for you so far? All right. So this one is easy for me. So the biggest Mm. thing that I've taken away is that despite our differences, and these could be age differences, Mm -hmm. health, socioeconomic status, being in different locations, you know, different degrees of education on like actual like parenting practices, anything, fatherhood is the great equalizer. Mm. There's a lot of stuff that we're all figuring out as we go. We all struggle with the hard stuff. We all celebrate the amazing stuff, but whether you and I are talking to like a famous actor or a musician or whether we're talking to a friend or a neighbor Hmm. who you've known for years, if you are a parent, you have something big in common with that person. And I feel like it's, it's been an amazing entry point to a conversation And that idea of it being sort of, like we say, the great equalizer actually segues pretty well uh, into my third clip, if I may tee that up. My goodness, I believe you just did. Um, A while after we launched Modern Dadhood, uh, another fatherhood-themed podcast popped up on the Team Coco network called Dads the Podcast. Do you oh, remember? Oh, oh, that's right. The guys who were the guys who were copying us. Is that who you're talking about? That's right. That that's exactly crew, that. The whole crew that heard our show and was like, "We should do that." So it was know. hosted by a comedian, an actor named Rory Scovel and Ruthie Wyatt. And uh, I figured it was a long shot, but I emailed Rory and jokingly kind of gave him shit about being the new kid in dad podcast town. Um, but in the same message, I also invited him to come onto our podcast and just talk about like why we do dad podcasts and why it's an important thing to, to think about and talk about and, and consider. Admittedly, I was a bit shocked when he agreed to join us, but uh, it was one of my favorite conversations to date. And we ended up titling the episode podcasting dads talk dad podcasts. So here's one of my favorite moments from our conversation with Rory Scovel. It's almost like, you know, if someone's like, Hey, notice all the white cars on the road. And then you (laughs) notice so many, it almost feels like that with this topic that once you're sort of in the club, 
you almost are suddenly friends with your, your people because your kids are drawing you together. And now you're in the context of social settings where you're around a lot of parents and people in your neighborhood, you notice who has kids. And I think maybe it's just kind of always there. Just once you're locked into it, you now know how to bring something to that conversation. And even when we started dads, it was like, oh, when it was pitched to me by Ruthie, it kind of settled me as like trying to think of an idea for a show. As soon as she said that, I kind of settled down like, oh, I know about that. I, I do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go into the fourth clip now, Mark. I don't see any reason not to. And, and I'm waiting with bated breath. <laughs> I feel like I, it's, this is awkward because I feel like I've been dominating this conversation. I love it. It's great. First of all, I get to relive some amazing moments. So I'm happy to just sit here and, and play the role of listener. <laughs> okay. Keep it up. Well, I'm happy to indulge you in that way. All right. Clip four. About a year ago, I became aware of a dad named Robert Bailey, who had been posting online on some fatherhood Facebook groups, asking for ideas for how to create a legacy. So mm -hmm. a way for his young son to remember him after he was gone. Robert had stage four cancer and things were starting to decline for him. And so I reached out to him in hopes that if he wanted to chat with us, that perhaps the conversation about fatherhood could be some small part of that legacy that his son could discover years from now. I mean, on one hand, it's, it makes perfect sense that he would want to chat with us because of that, that sort of goal of leaving a legacy. And he was doing a few things, right? He was creating, mm -hmm. he created this album of really fantastic songs for his son. Um, he'd written some things and I think maybe he was leaving sort of a whole of this trail of, of thoughts, you know, and bits and pieces of who he was. So on, on one hand, it makes sense that he would, he would, he would want to sit down and talk with us. And on the other hand, it, it, it just blows my mind that he would want to take any time out of his day to right. sit down like, at, in, in front of a computer with two strangers now, Robert actually passed away between the recording of the episode and when it was released just a few weeks later. And I, to this day, I still feel incredibly grateful that he chose to spend that bit of time with us. So I chose a clip from that conversation that really hit home for me and really put some things into perspective. Here it is. It's important that people, hey, you know, first kind of understand how precious life is, um, how great it is to be able to share it with your son or your daughter, you know, um, and to not take it for granted. Like, you know, most of the people I talk to, it just kind of opens their eyes on like, you know, kind of understanding what you have around you and how easily it can be taken away from you, no matter how hard you worked for it. I don't let small things get to me anymore. I have bad days. I have bad weeks. I just don't let things kind of get in the way or make me angry. I don't get angry anymore. Like, I just try to take in everything that I have with what little time I have left. It's kind of weird. You just kind of start focusing on 
living as opposed to just living. Yeah, I think we're at the point, though, uh, in this um, episode where I could maybe ask you the third question. Well, hit me. And you'll you'll obviously you'll you'll remember this from from my top five episode. But how far from the Earth <laughs> is the moon? <laughs> I mean, Damn and, and, you. I, and I'm I, talking about miles here. Obviously, you you, you recall we're, we're talking about miles. So it, it's if, one if you light could, year. If you could <laughs> if you could give me, I mean, I, I'll I'll let you get within. 35,000 miles. Don't go. I hear you typing. <laughs> Look, if I had to take a guess, uh huh. If I had to take a guess after, after having Googled, if I had to take a guess, I um, would say we talk. I just m- m- let the record show that, that earlier in this episode, we, uh, we, we reminded our audience we spoke with an astronaut. Okay. Look, if I had to pull numbers out of thin air, this could be totally off. Because I have no clue. But if I were to guess, I would say, like, Earth to the moon, if we're talking miles, I would probably say, like, 238,900 miles. On the nose. He gets it on the nose. See, this is why I'm friends with Adam J. Flaherty, because Mm -hmm. he is just such a good Googler. Here's the real question. Uh, Who? Dwayne The Rock Johnson. (laughs) Don't steal my answers. Even my throwaway answers, Dwayne, if you're listening, it wasn't really a throwaway. Please come on the podcast. Answer. We, we need you. We'd love to chat with you. Adam, who would be your, your pie in the sky guest and why? So I thought a lot about this question because okay. there's so many, so many cool dads who I think could just bring so much life to this show, but who I landed on for a pie in the sky guest is mm-hmm. Lynn Manuel Miranda. And the reason is, well, there's several reasons. He is so undeniably talented. He's everywhere you look. He is young, but he's made such an impression and demonstrated such raw talent and such strong work ethic that I feel like at this point he, uh, he can kind of write his own ticket. And mm. I think it would be really interesting to hear what it's like to be in a position where your career could be so demanding and and there could be so much pressure that there just isn't much time to be a dad and to be in a position where you can maybe now kind of pick and choose what you're going to work on, who you're going to work with, and just have more control over how you prioritize things in your life. And he's just like, he's just a brilliant mind. And I know that it would be a fun and fun, funny conversation. Oh yeah. But I think that's, that's a great, that's a great answer, man. I think that's a great pick. All right. My fifth clip. Moving on to clip five. Clip five. So Mark, you know, and Mm -hmm. anyone who knows me, knows that since I was a teenager, my favorite musician and musical influence has been Beck. I've been fortunate over the years to have seen him perform many times. I've gotten to meet him a handful of times. And in the late 90s, my sister and I met Beck's mother. Her name's Bibby. 
at an art opening in New York City. And a while later, uh, I connected with Beck's stepdad, Sean, because Sean has a history in filmmaking and directing and editing. And when, when I got into that line of work, I was curious to learn about sort of his work experience. And well, fast forward 23 years <laughs> and Sean agreed to a conversation on our podcast about his experience becoming a stepfather in his early 20s to two brilliant artsy kids, the older of which was Beck. Um, who was only actually 10 years younger than Sean at the time. That's and chatting with Sean Carrillo was fascinating to me. And I think that anyone who appreciates Beck's body of work will enjoy this peek behind the curtain. At any point, was it daunting to consider that, I mean, you were a young man too, and Beck and Channing were in the 10 or 12 year old range. I'm 10 years older than Beck. Exactly. Was that intimidating to you to think about marrying somebody who had sons who were 10 and eight <laughs> years younger? No. Like I said, we all got along. Later on, thinking about it, it would definitely blow my mind. Like occasionally I'd say to the kids <laughs> when they were like, uh, I don't know, 27 or something, I'd say to them, you know, when I was your age, I'd already been your stepdad for three years. And they were like, what? No, you know, <laughs> that's too weird. But yeah, it was easy and it was, it seemed natural. But in retrospect, I realized oh, I was pretty young to um, take on a wife and two kids. And um, we were just always such a unit, you know, it just seemed natural. Oh, there you have it. Man. I feel I feel really good. I feel really good revisiting those conversations. All those little nuggets swirling around in my head. I feel really I feel empowered. I feel I feel empowered right now. I will say that now almost 2 years into this and 50 what is this 57 episodes, I think that we've achieved our main sort of goals and vision for the podcast, you know, which is first and foremost, it's like having genuine conversations mm -hmm. with other dads that give us the opportunity to, to learn and to just soak in new perspective from other people. Because the role of dad is ever changing, ever shifting We've got to continue to learn, continue to adapt, continue to grow. Um, I feel like what we've done is figured out that this formula and that this this show is an important piece of our uh, individual and hopefully, I don't know, collective listener maybe journey in 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 in. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to finish that sentence for me? No, I, I was just waiting to see oh, where you're oh, going with oh, the hand oh, thing. Yeah, no, the hand the hand is out there. No, I, I think that this just proves that this is the right path for us to be on. You know, I mean, I, for one, I mean, yes, I've learned, I've learned a bunch, but I know that I've got a lot of uh, learning to do. I've got a lot of growing still uh, uh, to do here. So I want to keep this going. I want more perspectives. I want more teachers, you know, I want, I want more... Uh, Brains in the hot seat, as it were. 
We're just goofing about having some laughs. We're just a bunch of guys chatting. So concludes another episode of Modern Dad Love Podcast. (laughs) Just strike all of that. Friends, you can find us at moderndadhood.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts. Give me another one. uh, Budcast. I already said Apple. Yeah, Budcast. Pod pods. Pod pod world. If they offer the ability to do so, please (laughs) rate the show. Give us a little review. These things are going to help. These things are going to help us. You know what else would really help? Tell a friend. Word of mouth. Spread the show while you're out there on your Zoom chats, on your Teams chats. Gathering with your family at holiday parties. Tell your friends about the show. You can follow Modern Dadhood on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube. And we would love it if there's actually, there's still time to pick up a Modern Dadhood t-shirt or dad hoodie in whatever size you like. Uh, They are available for sale on our website, moderndadhood.com. Just hit the shop button. We would also love if you would drop us a line. Tell us what's up with you. Hey at moderndadhood.com. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the show? Anybody know Lin-Manuel Miranda? Thank you to Casper Baby Pants and to Spencer Albee for the incredible music that you hear throughout the show. And thank you to Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio for, uh, he does, there's the buttons, there's faders, there's knobs. He does all sorts of stuff to make us sound really, really good. And thank you to all of the guests who have taken time out of their day to be on this show, to share their wisdom, to commiserate with us and and to to help change our perspectives on dadhood especially all of the guests who were featured or talked about in this episode and just to put it out there there will be links to all of the episodes that were referenced in my top five clips in our show notes so just go down to the show notes and and click through or or tap with your finger listen to those episodes because they were good ones and hey, hey, you, you in your, yeah, in the, in the, in the gray Hyundai Elantra, thank you for listening.